When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 90 Day Fiance Rehapo podcast. We're here today to talk about Before the 90 Days, Season 6, Episode 9, Nice, should be a good one. Uh, I will say all my guests have abandoned me, and I'm doing this one solo. So we're going to have a good time, though. It's going to be good. It was a good episode to talk about, lots to dig into, and probably as a result of it being just me, a shorter one, but... We are going to have the content. There's no world where you're not going to know what happened on this episode. Not if I got something to say about it. So let's just tuck right in. Okay, let's tuck right in and immediately open up and talk about Riley and Violet, who had a very not chill dinner the last time we saw them. If you remember, Riley and Violet were in a position where they're having dinner. Riley gets up, goes to the bathroom, but leaves his phone with Tiffany on the line with Violet and says, hey, listen, she's going to ask you some questions. I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. He comes back before the questions are even asked. He doesn't hold anything back. He makes Violet have to answer the questions. Violet doesn't like that at all. They fought. They stormed off. Riley left. Violet left. That's where we were left with them. So now Riley, meanwhile, he's been in Vietnam for about a week now. And they've had this argument. He says that he he regrets getting mad, but he doesn't regret what he said. And to that, I say, Riley, that's just you saying, I wish I was a little bit more cool when I was being nonsensical. Nah, you were being bad. Come on, stop this. However, we also see the other side of the coin where Violet is also feeling very angry still from the night before, but has gone shopping with her daughter to de-stress. They had a really fun editing sesh here where both of them have said, if the other person messages me first and apologizes, then I'm fine. Then we're fine and we can get past this. But again, neither is going to do that. So it's a bit of a problem, but we'll get into the solution a little later. Dare I say the VIP of the week coming in clutch, but be with me for a second here. Um, We do hear a little bit more about Violet, who mentions that she didn't feel protected in this argument at all. She felt like 
He let his friend just go in on her and did not protect her at all whatsoever and does not risk. She didn't feel respected. She didn't feel protected and not feeling protected is why she broke up with her ex as well. So there's a history of wanting to feel protected by her partner that she's not getting here. She doesn't feel it with Riley either. So what Violet ended up doing, she sent him a long message and then she sent him a long message and ended up blocking him. And meanwhile, Riley got the message and blocked her and didn't read the message. So what are these two doing? I don't even know at this point, but the message ended up having, it was a long message. So I didn't transcribe it. We don't need it. However, we did have Riley say is reading them out. And Violet said things such as uh, Riley's got a bit of an uneducated attitude. He doesn't deserve to be a man. And so many more things of basically saying you messed up. I don't feel protected with you, et cetera, et cetera. And then she again, like she said that she would if he takes initiative and reconciles with her and admits that he hurt her, maybe she'll forgive him. And Riley essentially said something very similar of if she's the one who makes the effort to do to fix things, then I'm willing. Now, Riley's been here a week. They've been fighting. He's in Vietnam. He's not really seen a lot of Vietnam. So he has decided to take it upon himself to get a tour guide and do a bike tour of Ho Chi Minh City. So he meets the lovely Tommy, Tommy the tour guide here, who has now joined Riley to give him a show around town. I will say the B-roll we got here, Vietnam looks incredible. I was very jealous. I would like to go to Vietnam someday because this looked very nice. He got on the back of Tommy's bike and just basically took a tour around the city, uh, told us a little bit that the amount of activity that's going on on the street, like how busy it is, was a little overwhelming for him. but. He had fun. Once they, you know, the tour was over, he asked Tommy, he's like, hey, do you have some time? Like, what are you doing right now? Oh, nothing. Come have a drink with me. Just come chill. It'll be good. So they went to this like cigar lounge or I guess maybe a bar that allows you to smoke cigars. One or the other. And they got some drinks. They're smoking a cigar. And Riley does what every 90 day person on the show does. Riley said, hey, Tommy, I just met you and this might be a little too much, but here is my life story and why I'm in Vietnam. I'm proceeded to dump all the information on Tommy about the relationship, about the fight they had, about why they fought exactly of like, I, I asked her to answer these questions about my friend and she didn't. And it was a problem. Tommy is the VIP of the episode. And here's why Tommy <laughs> said, hmm, I feel like the mistake you made here is you were treating your friend as family and here family is family. So family takes more of a precedent than a friend. That's number one. And then uh, Tommy said, well, have you talked? And then he says, well, I actually blocked her. And then Tommy said, you need to apologize. She should be the one blocking you. So Tommy is my MVP of the episode. I keep saying VIP. I meant MVP. He's my VIP of the episode. He basically leaves us in a place where I think he got through to Riley and Riley may apologize now. So we'll see. I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't, I'm not backing Riley here. So time will tell where they land, but for right now, it looks like Riley may have had an epiphany in the form of Tommy and maybe just maybe realizes the error in his ways because he does also mention, well, I feel like she didn't, maybe she didn't tell me about the family thing, but, or she did. And I didn't hear, I was like, I feel like it's the latter. I feel like it's the latter with, with this. So that's where we're left with them. 
And they were also not in the next time on. So who knows? Who knows? Are Riley and Violet ever going to get back together? No one can tell. But for now, let's switch gears and go over and talk about um, Gino and Jasmine, who, of course, you are all very familiar with. Gino and Jasmine have been in a bad state in Panama since uh, Gino has gone there. They've been fighting on and off. Ultimately, they're in a position now where they went to therapy. Maybe things are getting better. This is all good. Everything's nice. So Gino and Jasmine go to a jewelry store because it's Liz's birthday. Liz, of course, is Jasmine's younger sister. And they want to get Jasmine, uh, sorry, Liz, something special. They want to get her maybe a necklace or something. So they're at the jewelry store. They're looking at some stuff. They end up picking an item out. And then Jasmine said, hey, uh, can we actually take a gander at the engagement rings? Is that a thing we can do? Because I would like to look at the engagement rings here. So Gino says, well, you don't you already have her? And she's like, well, I lost it. So here's the story with Gino and Jasmine's initial ring. Apparently, Jasmine, not really a fan of that ring. And there was a promise that that ring would get replaced eventually anyway. But she somehow lost it. The producers ask her, do you, did you like the ring? She says she doesn't. She didn't. And now the ring is somehow gone. Okay, so that's happening. And meanwhile, at the store... She's like, well, how about a new ring? Let's look at a new ring. Let's get it now. And he's like, hmm, I don't know about that. Additionally, we also learned that she sometimes would wear the her ring from her previous marriage. And when Gino said that's messed up, I feel like that's a little messed up. She says, well, to me, I don't the ring doesn't it's not like bound to him. I don't think about my ex. I think of you. It's just the ring is a symbol. He's like, well, you know, you wouldn't like it if I wore a necklace my ex gave me. And she's like, what necklace? Where's the necklace? Like, oh, no, you, you, you wouldn't like that. He's like, stop comparing the two. And I thought the hypocrisy is real, but whatever. We'll, we'll hold back. They're trying to be better. Let's be better ourselves. How about that? Um, Gino then and back in the store, Gino says, well, you don't need a ring now. That's not what you need right now. Um, and he gets a little bit, a little bit shifty here, a little shady here. Because um, his plan was after we get the visa confirmed before the wedding, I will get you a ring. And she says, well, that doesn't feel right. Anyway, speaking of the visa, we need an immigration lawyer because it's been too long. I'm, I don't want to be in living in limbo. Let's get the immigration lawyer so we can speed this up and they'll figure it out. And this sets Gino off. This is what makes him a little shifty because Gino, his, his previous marriage was to a Brazilian woman who he got to the States through the K-1 visa process. So he's done this before. And I feel like he got offended that she didn't think he could handle it himself. A, Additionally, I feel like there was money. Let's be real money. Gino doesn't want to spend that money on an immigration lawyer. And when she brings that up, she says, "Mm, you don't want to spend the money. That's why this is happening. And he's like, well, you do not tell me what to do. And he called her. He's like, you're clueless to all this. And he's he's pointing a finger at her. And I thought, Gino, you're getting a little too bold here, buddy. Um, (laughs) This is you're getting argumentative for no reason. It's not worth a fight. And then he also tells her that she better change her attitude. Then he just full on leaves the store and abandons Jasmine in the jewelry store. And, you know, Jasmine tells us that she the waiting in limbo is difficult for her. Now, I feel like I say this almost every podcast, but I've gone through the process and I definitely can resonate a little bit with Jasmine here. The living in limbo situation when we had applied for our visa the wait time was about 12 to 14 months. It was a long wait. And practically in that year and change, 
I didn't buy anything new. I didn't, I wanted to, so my desk was a little bit shambolic. My computer chair could have done with a replacement. I just toughed it out because to me, it made no sense to invest in something like that. And then I end up getting the visa the next week and I have to move because while I could take the stuff with me, I knew the reality was that we were going to do a drive with all my stuff. And I didn't think any of my furniture was going to come with me anyway. So that's just a small example of how living in limbo can be tough. Additionally, obviously, if you're trying to plan trips, you're trying to do anything else, you have to remember in the back of your head, you can't do anything too permanent or too long because at any moment you might need to be ready to get this visa um also i don't know where they're at uh, in the process because i also had a visa interview that was going to come along before the visa happens so waiting for that interview is a bit of a thing because you got to go to a specific consulate that they assign you so you got to be ready you basically got to be on all toes ready to go so i kind of resonate with jasmine there a little bit on the limbo side of things but also if i was in limbo i would never move into a uh, lavish new apartment for just three weeks. That's just me, though. So what do I know? Um, anyway, so it's it is Liz's birthday. This is the plan, and you know, the next scene we see, Gino says that he's gonna try and put stuff aside. He feels like his her uh, Jasmine's behavior wasn't okay, but he feels like he could have done better. He says that he reacted with anger to her anger. And that's exactly what the therapist told him not to do. So he's going to try and do better by G uh, by Jasmine. I'm like, okay, Gino, turning a new leaf. Who would have thought? I didn't see that coming at all. So they're together. It's the three of them now. It's Liz, Jasmine, and Gino. They're going out for, you know, some some birthday celebrations. They'll hang out. And they uh, rent a bike, which is what y'all may have seen in the next time on last week, where they're renting this bike, and they're biking along. And Jasmine says, listen, I got to tell you something. Um you have never made me orgasm. And Gina's like, nope, nope, you're lying. That's not true. She's like, no, 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 it, it is. I faked it. He's like, no, 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 I know you didn't. And I was like, I don't think you would know, Gino. But, you know, what do I, again, what am I, I'm not their therapist. I don't know. I can't read their situation. I wasn't in the room when it happened. I can't assess anything. But turns out they were just joking. So so TLC, kudos on getting us clickbaited yet again. This was just them ribbing each other. Ultimately, they ended up having a good time. Everything looked good. They get to a ice cream shop later. And I guess after they gave the ring, the, the rental bike back, Gino said he was going to go to the bathroom, but instead he went to a little kiosk and found this ring that he really liked. And it made him think of Jasmine. So he got her a ring, folks. But make no mistake, this is not a engagement ring because this is what before the 90 days and what do men on before the 90 days do they give you a ring and then they say it's a promise ring for xyz that's exactly what happened here he got jasmine a ring and then he said it's a promise ring that he will try harder to avoid arguments and and i cannot believe i'm about to say this and this is a quote it's not my words it's gino's words and a promise to give her more meat and we're not talking a hamburger. We're not talking a steak. You know what he means when he says meat. We need not expand on this any further. Now, you would think maybe Jasmine might retaliate, say, well, I want an engagement ring. This feels like a no, she loved it. She ate this up. She loved it. The ring had like two hearts on it. She's like, I love that it's two hearts, one heart for you, one heart for me. And she feels like the effort Gino's showing makes her happy. Also, we had a nice little scene where Gino is trying to order ice cream in Spanish and is struggling. But she says, you know, two and a half years, I've never seen him speak Spanish, try to speak Spanish. So this is great. So they get ice cream and everything looks nice. So 
dare I say, Cheeto and Jasmine looking like they're in a better spot than they may have been for a lot of this season so far. And it almost gets a little too nice next week because so I don't know who my guest is yet. Just a little inside baseball. I don't have a guest booked yet. Whoever my guest is next week has to talk about Gino and Jasmine's sex night where he's doing something romantic and he does this thing where he flashes her through his robe. The meat is out. And then he also is holding a thing and he's like, you've been a bad girl. And and yes, yes, I did want to dissolve. Thanks for thinking of me. But I have to be here to cover season six, episode 10 next week. So that means I have the privilege of giving you an extended recount of what this sex night is next week. So fair warning, ahead of time, a week's worth of notice, do not listen to that segment with any children in the vehicle or use headphones, either or you got to be safe, be safe, not safe for work. That's for sure. So, yay, romantic sex night next week. Woo! All right, let's move over, shall we? Let's move over to another couple. And this time we're going to talk, it's going to get a little serious here, folks, okay? Gonna get a little serious. Let's talk about Christian and Cleo. So Christian's now been in the UK for two days. Things have gone good and they've gone bad. They've got a little bit of problems. The last time we saw them, they had gone out for a date night and Christian uh, took Cleo to this bar that was a little bit small, claustrophobic, uh, a little unfamiliar territory for Cleo, who was struggling with that a little bit. And then he added the whole wrinkle of talking to the girls at the table next to him, making Cleo feel like the date was no longer about the two of them. It wasn't special. It was him trying to get out of it a little bit. So we follow them from there. It's the next day. She tells us that um, when they got home, she just crashed, slept. There's not been any intimacy yet, which is a little bit of a concern. And this comes back a couple of times in the scenes we saw with the two of them. So instead, now they're going to go out and about. They've gone shopping a little bit. And Christian tells us on a side combo that the first date wasn't flawless. And my, all I could think was, yeah, no kidding. It wasn't flawless. Uh, but he does say he needs to learn and understand a little bit more. And he maybe realized now that he needs to be more understanding to how Cleo is impacted by his decisions, as opposed to maybe thinking that they will be easily solvable or not solvable as much as like, oh, she'll adapt. It'll be fine. And we're specifically talking about the fact that Cleo has told us that she struggles with some social situations and like, you know, unfamiliar environments or environments that might be a little uh, too either too stimulating. You know what I mean? So it sounds like he's finally gotten to this, which is funny because he's in the relationship. We are not. And we've known this from the minute we met Cleo anyway. So. They end up having a walk around. They're doing a little shopping thing. They end up buying a nice little a bracelet. I think they looked at crystals initially. And then they bought a bracelet that um the, the vendor said was good for, you know, new beginnings. So like a relationship. Yes, I want to buy this for you. And Christian insisted that he would pay. And he phrased it that he wanted to pay so she would have something to remember him by. And I thought that was a little odd. Because I felt like, is this relationship over? But it could, you know, he, he could have just meant... I want when I leave to go back home, I want you to look at your wrist and be reminded of me and the relationship's still on. So who knows? It's still too early to call it. Let's see. Um, but Cleo does point out, you want to get some food here? Let's get some fish and chips. Let's get food from this uh, nice little place here. The food looked immaculate. The restaurant itself didn't look, it was like a, it looked like a little hole in the wall, but like a secret hole in the wall, like a good place. He got ribs. She got cotton chips. 
they all look delicious. So they're eating food. They're talking a little bit. And Christian brings up the date and he says, I feel like you got a little bit overwhelmed at the date. And Cleo mentions, well, I didn't feel like it was about us two. And it felt like you brought other people in and then I wasn't involved and I didn't love that. Um, and then Cleo tells us that initially she just had worries about how he would deal with her being trans, but then mentioned that I'm not realizing that me being on us on the spectrum could also impact the relationship or could also be something that he needs to wrap his head around, which he did mention earlier. So that's good that they at least both understand that that's where it's going, but they're not having the conversation with each other quite yet. And Christian's not vocalizing these things quite as much as I would like at the moment. Um, but anyway, back to the conversation, Cleo mentions that, you know, the spot was very tiny and she's claustrophobic. So she didn't love that. And um, Christian had mentioned that he was worried. He's worried because he was worried that if the date was bad, then maybe now they're not going to have future dates and they're not, she's not going to want to hang out and stuff. And Cleo then responds and says, well, I don't want every date, everything we do to be what I need. I want it to also be good for you. I want you to get what you want as well, which I thought was incredible. They're basically trying to talk about finding the middle. And I thought this is great. And the food was great. And the date's going good. This was great. They end up going back home. Um, also, uh, Christian does mention that, uh, you know, I want us to work this out and, and we'll see where it goes. A little trial and error. If this doesn't work, we'll try something else. And I thought that's good. Try the dates out. See, maybe different place, different this, different that. So that's good. So this is where we saw the uh, last week's next time on where Christian makes a joke about a baby making playlist and then it got a little awkward. And obviously the two of them have not been intimate yet. This has been very clear and it just gets awkward anytime that conversation even jokingly gets brought around, uh, which is never great to be in the room for. But alas, we are. But Christian says, hey. I brought something special that you've not experienced before. And I want to share it with you. So I'll be right back. And he goes to get something. And I was like, oh my God, what is this going to be? It's going to be something bad, probably. It's the VR headset. He brought the VR headset. And Cleo ended up enjoying it, playing some VR games. So that was fun to see. They basically had a, a stay-in date, which I think they needed. It worked out real well. They had a little food, some wine, some games, and they had a good time. So then it Chiron's us with an hour later and he talks about how he feels like it's still a little awkward and confessional that it's still a little awkward and also he thinks that it's because he's putting pressure on himself about being intimate and he doesn't want the lack of intimacy to be a deal breaker I was like, well at some point something's got to give uh, and then we had a very again they TLC when they find something they like they'll do it twice because then we had Christian saying that he wants Cleo to make the first move to us. And then Cleo tells us that she wants Christian to make the first move to us. So we know everything. They know nothing. Um, then Cleo, when they get to bed, Cleo kind of brings up like, listen, I have a question. I feel like I know the answer already. I feel like we're definitely attracted to each other. He's like, yeah. And then he says, I'm just, I'm the type of guy who um, I don't make the first move. And the reasons he gave were because when I make, if I make the first move and I get rejected, I crash. I can't. I I feel a little scared, and um, I don't really want to then pursue it. I like fall back essentially. And this is fine. It's a fine explanation. But Cleo tells us that she doesn't buy these excuses because from the beginning of the relationship, Christian has been very forward and flirtatious, and she knows that PDA is a big thing for him. 
in a good way, not in a bad way. Like not like he's not anti-PDA. So I'm inclined to believe Cleo here, who knows Christian better than we do. So just off that, I don't love that. The next time on this comes up uh, where Christian and Cleo, Cleo's talking to her friend and mentioned that she feels manipulated and she feels like there's a slim chance this relationship's going to stay alive. So that's where they leave us there. I'm going to take a quick break here. And when I get back, we'll talk about our next couple here. And that, of course, is Statler and Dempsey. All right. So Statler and Dempsey. We got a little bit from them, not a lot. We learned a little bit more about Dempsey, which I did appreciate. So they have gone to, they're both in England now. They're both back at the farm. They're back at the, um, back at Dempsey's place, essentially. And I guess Dempsey's place doesn't have central heat. So Statler struggled. Statler said that she felt a little uncomfortable and Dempsey was a little bothered by the use of the word uncomfortable because she didn't understand why. Um, and obviously it's Statler. So Statler's not going to fully say all the things she needs to say. Uh, Dempsey ends up burning some sage for, you know, good vibes and then, and to take away negative energy. But then she starts saging around Statler's crotch and makes the joke that it's been in a lot of places. And then Statler's like, whoa, whoa, like, you know, having been with people is not a bad thing. That's fine. That's normal. And Dempsey says, well, the sage says something different as she continues to burn the sage around uh, Statler's region. Uh, it felt jokey to me. I don't want to read into it too much. It felt like it was tongue in cheek. Uh, but that's about as far as I know about that. But then we learned a little bit more about Dempsey. So we learned that Dempsey, she grew up living in caravans, which she said is similar, like a carnival living with her family. You know, you go town to town. You're never in like one spot for too long. And she grew up with three with there were three siblings total with her included when she was 16, her big, her oldest sister passed away, 19 years old, uh, passed away to carbon monoxide poisoning. And that was very hard on Dempsey. And she ended up leaving her house when she was 18. She then finds this man named Ben, her friend, Ben who offered her a job and a place to stay. And now she's been working here on this farm full time. But we learn a little bit more about what the job entails because they do like a little staycation business, which actually looks pretty interesting. It was like they're repurposing storage containers and making them like livable. I can't, I don't think I'm going to make do it service, but it looked a lot better than what it may sound like. Uh, there's like a whole lounge. If this lounge had like vintage cars in it, a pool table, there's hot tubs. Like this is like life of luxury living off the grid a little bit. So I'm actually really keen on this business. Looks fun. Uh, anyway, meanwhile, we find out that Statler has not only to us a bunch of times that she is uncomfortable with the living situation with Dempsey. She feels like it's claustrophobic, it's too small, and there's no central heating. And she said that feeling cold is like hell for her. And she's like, and I don't know what I'm going to do because my lease is about to end. And this is, I don't have any other backup plans. I was like, I'm sorry, you don't have backup plans. So you are saying that you fully want to move in with Dempsey. That's your plan. That is not a plan. That is you not looking for a place because you cannot come in and make demands like, huh, I'll live with you, but let's change the spot. Also, I have no other place to be. Anyway, balls in your court. That is not fair to Dempsey at all. And again, they've only been in each other's presence for 48 hours, and Dempsey has no idea that Stallers in this mindset. But 
Let's go and meet Ben now. So Ben, the friend, ends up showing up. And Dempsey describes Ben as not only her friend, but a main character in her life. And Ben really knows Dempsey. When when he gets introduced to uh, Statler and he's asking Statler, you know, how do you like everything? How did you get here? How did you two meet? Um, he calls it. He's like, oh, you're blood. Oh, you guys got intimate last night already. So soon, huh? I didn't expect it. And I was like, how that is, you know, a little too much, potentially, Ben, you know, a little too much. But Ben tells us he feels like Statler and Dempsey are chalk and cheese, which is basically saying, what was it? Oil and water. Like they don't, they're opposites kind of thing. So he explained that a little more. And then he brought up, well, how did you feel when uh, Dempsey was in Thailand? Sadler's like, yeah, you know, the communication was kind of not great, but she was living her best life, so it's fine. He's like, yes, the party capital city of the world. Um, I was like, oh, okay. Is the, I didn't know that, but hey, I, Thailand is also on my list. Maybe Vietnam, Thailand. Got to do a couple of countries in one go for me. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Ben not really feeling them. Ben thinks they need way more time than just 48 hours. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but before we go into the next scene, Statler does voice that she wants to actually bring up the uh, Thailand trip to Dempsey. She feels like there could have been some cheating. There could have been some cheating that happened maybe because why else would you not talk to me for that long? Maybe. And she's like, she mentions that her insecurity probably feeds into this, but she gets something that I need to bring up and I'm a little bit self-conscious about it tonight. So, oh God. So we go into the tonight scene and Sattler says there's unresolved stuff between them. And brings up, well, you know, what were you up to? Did you see him? Did you, did you cheat? Dempsey said, did I cheat? I can't believe you just said that. That blows my mind that you would think that. He's like, yeah, you know, because, like, you know, people like sometimes when you don't talk to people, they might cheat. Dempsey's like, well, I've never cheated. Have you cheated? And Styler said, uh, yeah, I've cheated once. And Dempsey's like, yes. Yeah. So see, for me, I've never cheated. So that would have never come to my mind. I have eyes for nobody else. And I thought, mm, this insecurity could lead to problems on top of the fact that Statler has this moving plan that Dempsey has no idea about. It's going to be a mess and I am not ready to get into it. The next time on, they meet Dempsey's dad, who, by the way, does not know they're dating. And the dad does have a confessional where he says that they're not ready or something like that. So, yay, meeting family members that don't approve. Welcome to 90 Day Fiance. All right. We have but one more couple to talk about here. And I'm going to keep this one relatively short because unfortunately, our biggest, biggest horror from last week ended up coming here. So last week, the next time on teased a funeral that like Sheila was at and she was crying. Something bad happened. And we were saying, we hope it's no one like from the immediate family because this is in poor taste. Like, let them have their moment. You know what? Maybe that's not the case. Um, so turns out that after they all went to bed that night, after David had just met the family and everything, they all went to bed. Um, Sheila's mother fell down the stairs and passed away. So Sheila's mother, we opened the episode with Sheila's mother's passed away and they're figuring out the, the uh, process for the funeral. And then Sheila explains to us that, you know, it's customary to stay with the body for 24 hours or else it's bad luck. So she's going to be staying with the with her mom. And David says, because David had offered to take uh, her and John Rail to a hotel and like stay there for a bit. And she said, no, I got to stay with the body. You can go. I'll drop you off and come back. And David said to us that he wants to give 
uh, Sheila her space. And then Sheila tells us that she's very appreciated. She feels loved and respected by David, that he understood that she wants to be alone. So then she pretty much spends time with her, with her family. David spends a couple days on his own at the hotel and then we go, we see the funeral process being done. David mentions that he's never seen a funeral like this. So he's in a bit of shock on how it is. Um, and then about five hours after the funeral, he talks to us about how he doesn't want to burden Sheila. And then Sheila also tells us that she's currently not had enough time to grieve. And she's currently struggling with the idea of focusing on both her mom and David at the same time. So they're completely fine. As far as their relationship goes, they both understand what the other needs. I think the added layer is that Sheila feels a little guilty that David's here and she just currently has no headspace to deal with or or spend time with David. So that's where they are. Again, TLC, I would have wished that you would have just skipped all this. I don't think this needed to be like I didn't need to. They're they're It's their family trauma. I don't need them that to be on TV. And maybe that's just me. I don't know. But it felt like in poor taste to at the very least, if it's going to be on the show, do not use it as clickbait for your next time on. Not OK. I am not OK with that. Now, that's all the couples. We can, of course, go and take a gander at what the next time on entails for the other couples that aren't here. So next week, Tyree, of course, of Tyree and Carmela fame, Tyree, who's getting catfished, has talked to the real Carmela, the actual non-catfish Carmela, who has agreed to meet with him in real life. So he's going to go meet her in real life, which we did talk about. Potentially, that's what the meetup was going to be. That was teased at the beginning of the season. So, hey, we got that down. That's cool. Uh, and then Amanda and Rosvon, we see Rosvon introduce Amanda to his friends, specifically a woman who he's good friends with, who is asking Amanda some questions and then says toxic relationship. Now, we don't know if this is describing Amanda and Rosvon's relationship or if this is clickbaity. We took this part out and made it seem like that. So we'll find out more next week. And then Misha and Nicole are together and they, boy, oh boy, they've got communication issues. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? That's brand new information. We didn't see that coming. Right, team? Yeah. So let's quickly look at the power ranking. Since I'm alone, I get to make all the decisions here today on the power ranking. And in last place, I feel like in looking at all these couples, in last place, I almost feel like Gino and Jasmine improved this week. So I don't think, I think they deserve to get pulled up. I think Christian and Cleo are in last place for me. I think despite the um, the good moments they're having, to me, it simply feels like I forgot about Riley and Violet is what it feels like. So Riley and Violet are last to me. They've literally blocked each other on 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 messaging, so they can't even talk. And while Tommy, the MVP, may have put some uh, pep in Riley's step to fix things, he still hasn't as of this episode. So for now, Riley and Violet are last. Christian and Cleo are second to last because I do think that the relationship feels like it's at a st- stalemate right now where Cleo is waiting for the shooter drop is waiting for the initiative the PD not even the PDA but just the, the physical intimacy now that they're next to each other whereas Cleo uh, Christian I feel like is still trying to figure out where he's at with everything so it's a bit of a stalemate the next time on also makes it seem like they're going to end up pivoting into a bad spot so for now I'm fine to put them second to last that would mean the next couple I want to put I do think I'm going to put Gino and Jasmine or Statler and Dempsey. 
I think Gino and Jasmine. I think Gino and Jasmine, despite the fact that they started the episode with an argument, they ended the episode in a very sweet spot. They got the promise ring out. So that's going well. And it sounds like Gino's trying to improve on himself with the therapy session they had. It sounds like it impacted him in a positive way. So I do think they actually have uh, potential to climb up these rankings furthermore if they continue on this trajectory. Whereas Statler and Dempsey might be on the decline at the moment. Not because of anything Dempsey is doing, in my opinion. I think 100% this is from the Statler side. Statler's insecurity and paranoia about cheating, I don't think is a good thing to come up here. I don't think telling your partner, are you cheating on me? Out of nowhere is going to make them feel great. Also, Statler is about to drop the bomb that she would like to move in with Dempsey, who is not yet shown any interest in doing that so that's going to be an issue uh also ben didn't feel like they match in this episode which i feel like is a knock against them and then dad might not potentially see that as well but we'll see i feel like there's still so much we need to learn about this couple but for now i think they're in the right spot they need to be and that leaves uh david and sheila on the list for this week and i think they remain number one for me i think david and sheila to me are so well adjusted and they understood what the other needed almost immediately. They gave that to each other in a very, very heavy episode for them. And I think the biggest struggle for Sheila is just juggling her time at the moment, which I can't you know, begin to imagine how hard it must be to be in her headspace right now. So I think they're number one, and I don't think it's close. All right. We've arrived at the destination here on the Hot Mess Express. I really do hope you had fun with me today. Obviously, this is a shorter podcast. I did take a little break in between, so I have to see how long the runtime actually ends up being. But hopefully for next week, we should have a guest. Everything should be smooth sailing from here on out. Uh, you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puya. That's where I am when I'm not podcasting. Come through and say hi. I would appreciate it. And as far as podcasts go... Big Brother season is officially upon us. I was on the draft. I made a nice team, put a nice team together. I'm feeling good about it. And with the live feed updates coming back, I'll be there Friday mornings to talk about all your live feed needs there. And Traders is but a week away. And I'm sure you're going to hear from me on the Trader Streets as well. All right. I hope you all had a good time here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you back here next week. But until then, take care. Have a good one. Bye.